1: On this week's episode of the Grit and Barrett podcast, we deviate from Norm and bring on friend Cora Schwartz of the Calder Times and Bears Hockey Nation blog to talk about the Bears' season so far. We take a look at our thoughts for MVP and unsung hero, where the Bears stand, and what could possibly trip them up on a, on a playoff run to a 12 13th Calder Cup. All that and more on the Grit and Barrett podcast, starting right now. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Grit and Bear It podcast. My name is Richard Blosser, welcoming you to the first and only Hershey Bears podcast out there in the Hockeyverse, as always, presented by the Hockey Podcast Network. So, boys and girls, we're doing something a little different here this week as the boys are up in the Great White North visiting the McKenzie brothers while they're up there. Take off, eh? So, with a sort of a weird scheduling matrix this week as the boys are playing this afternoon by the time some of you get this podcast and then playing on Wednesday in Laval and having to me delay recording for just two more games, but there being more later in the week everything's just all messed up. So, so I'm bringing a guest on who I wanted to have on a couple weeks ago, but again, the bear scheduling made it difficult. Long story short, Cora Schwartz is joining me for a, a little late. Midseason, three quarters of the way, look at the Bears. Corey Schwartz of the Calder Times website now. I mean, I'm, I'm having trouble keeping up with the changes.
0: Yeah, it was. Uh, it, it's a little bit of a convoluted um, story behind the name change there, but overall, it makes this makes it sound a little bit more, you know, like a like a newspaper type of thing, right? It has mm-hmm. a cool vibe to it a little bit. I think it stands a little bit, you know, more uniquely. But yes, yeah, so we went through a little bit of a name change there, but still there, still Bears Hockey Nation, all, still all the great contents coming out there. So we are still chugging along.
1: Chorus Schwartz again. Has his own website, Bears fans, Bears Hockey Nation. Does his own recaps after each and every game. You know, very active on the socials and all that, posting about um, all sorts of stuff that happens to the Bears. So let's get right into this before we take a look at the boys and where they're standing. We kind of got to talk about this because it broke Friday afternoon. Actually started Thursday afternoon as Matthew Phillips, 66, got sent down from the Washington Capitals And us Bears fans were salivating and hoping that Matthew could join the Bears, which is pretty much the equivalent of adding IMDBs to a battle cruiser with as good as this team is. Unfortunately, it was not meant to be as the Pittsburgh Penguins claimed him off of waivers. And it seems like Matthew, while there could be a chance, while they could try to put him down to Wilkes-Barre, And Washington would have first dibs on him and he could come back to Hershey with a few other guys being sent down to Wilkes-Barre. I think that ship is probably going to sail. He's going to be staying there in Pittsburgh.
0: Yeah, I think you're right. It seems to be one of the last little bit of blows that we have left to take on this subject here. I mean, when they picked up waivers, they're right at the 23 man roster limit. And that always kind of spells out to you, you know, Hey, one guy gets healthy, you know, one piece moves here, one piece moves there. And, you know, Phillips is back on waivers and back in Washington, you know, and by extension, you know, he's able to get straight down to Hershey without being exposed to waivers again. But, you know, we just saw this afternoon here a little bit before we started recording that the Penguins sent down Jonathan Gruden and uh, Vinny Henestroza back to Wilkes-Barre, unfortunately. So it seems like, you know, either they're planning for a few more of their guys. Jansen Harkins, I think, was the guy that got, um, you know, re you know, readded to the roster off of injured reserve. Uh, we're quickly, you know, I'm quickly becoming a Pittsburgh Penguins expert out of all this here to see how the dominoes might fall. But they have a couple more guys on injured reserve or a long term injured reserve. Um, that you know, you're kind of just hoping against hope that maybe these guys get healthy before the March 8th trade deadline, which is when any player eligible for the AHL playoffs has to be on a Hershey you know this case Hershey roster so we're kind of doing the math but just based on what we're looking at here I it seems a little bit unlikely to me Richard I don't know what you think about this
1: well first off stay in your lane when it comes to the Pittsburgh Penguins that's my job thank you very much but um, I think you hit the nail on the head there Um, there is the there is very much talk that Jake Gensel was going to be shipped off uh, out of Pittsburgh and this they already called up a couple guys from Wilkes-Barre it looks like Pittsburgh's going to be start heading into that time of year and let's get the young guys up and see what we can do and start parading them for possible trade assets i think that's what Dubas is kind of line, of eyeing up i've seen him up in the up in the uh, press roll a couple of times, keeping an eye when wilkes come to town against the Bears. Um, so, just I, I don't think it's it's going to happen. If this was earlier in the year, I'd say bide our time. They're going to ship him back to Wilkes-Barre, and we'll eventually get him. What happened with Alan Nathan Walker and Chris Bork. But um, I think Pittsburgh's going to keep him around. I thought Calgary might take him back as well. Or, um, oh gosh, trying to think off the top of my head, maybe a team like Minnesota picks him up for some youth depth. I don't know. I'm just throwing stuff out there. But I think there is definitely a market for Matthew Phillips. And I think the best time for the Capitals to send him down without anything happening probably would have been two months ago around the around the holidays where not a lot of stuff happens, at least trade-wise and I think he clears then. But this late in the season, that good of a player is just out there for the asking. He's going to get scooped up.
0: Yeah, like you said, there's a lot of teams. I mean, we saw it last season. It's incredibly easy to forget the way last season finished, obviously, with the Bears winning a Calder Cup. But a similar situation played out in which the Bears lost Brett Leeson and Axel Janssen-Fialbi to two different teams on waivers at training camp, which is both unusual and, you know, also dangerous time to have players on waivers and neither of those guys came back, which is, you know, the sad end of the story for, you know, two guys that are pretty beloved here in Hershey. Um, you know, obviously Matthew Phillips has will, you know, most likely not play a game in a Bears sweater. So it's kind of a, a Daniel Carr situation if you want to throw it back to that pandemic season in which, uh, you know, we all spent all season hoping for him to come down as well, only for that to not happen so, you know, it's a little bit of a different situation. You know, like you said, this year's pretty volatile this time of year for certain guys. You know, teams are looking to make moves, make that critical piece addition type of thing. This kind of bolsters Pittsburgh's depth. And, you know, as we've seen today, it helps Pitts, you know, Wilkes Bear out by extension to be able to get some more guys back. Um, as they are in pretty good position here in the Atlantic division to likely join the postseason dance this time around. So um it's really unfortunate to have to say that, you know, like you said, Phillips is just another dimension that, you know, we're seeing here, but it also kind of creates a lineup hole for the bears where, you know, we saw Martin Ferravari get injured yesterday in Washington, um, it kind of leaves me concerned that, you know, all of a sudden we went from possibly adding a player to being one injury away from losing a player and, you know, being in even more dire straits. So a little bit concerning of a, you know, a double whammy in that respect here. Hopefully, fingers crossed, Lord willing, we make it through the rest of the season with minimal amounts of injuries, but it's always a concerning time, that's for sure.
1: And I think that transitions into... You know the ne- the next topic that we kind of knew this was coming for for the Bears, who have had who've been on an absolute toward pace this season, looking to possibly be one of the best records in this very early seventy two win era. But even in a seventy six season schedule, what the Bears doing is absolutely incredible. Sitting at thirty nine wins at the time of this podcast is being recorded but you can't help but feel a little bit that that the Bears are really facing that adversity that we kind of knew what was coming. Some injuries to Ethan, Scarbosa up with the big team. That's two really big offensive pieces that are not with the Bears right now. Um, Dubé going a little cold, but that tends to happen with scorers a lot. So, um, you know the bears were able to get the victory up in Toronto yesterday. And that's where the depth scoring is really coming into to play with your Huntington's, your Rose and your Lamos. It's good to have them, but you know, you could really tell on like the power play that Frank and Scarbosa are, are like really missed that. Like as much as I've ragged on Scarbosa, he's a really good facilitator of the puck and Ethan can just bring missiles off the stick but um, with the injuries and the call-ups, this is why you win a lot of games early. Absolutely. That's, that's the good news is that there's a lot of padding here, right? That, you know, the Bears have won so
0: many games. It's, you know, not as though they're in danger at this current moment. Uh, you know, it still seems, you know, far from a, you know, possibility even that the Bears could fall out of a, you know, a buy in the first round being virtue of claiming one of the top two spots in the Atlantic division. But it is concerning in the sense that I would say, you know, like you said, it's a form factor type of thing. You know, you really like having guys like Scarbosa and Frank, you know, available, you know, they help the power play out so much. Alex Lomoges has been fantastic. I mean, I I feel like he's really helped kind of staunch the wound of losing those two guys for even a moderately um, long period of time with his scoring goals in five straight games, a big power play goal in Toronto, that kind of helps, you know, get the bears to overtime where they're, you know, of course able to, you know, pounce on another win over Toronto again, but it, it is concerning. You know, I, I've had this conversation a couple of times where you almost wonder, is this team as deep as last year's team? And, you know, there's some kind, sometimes the questions, you know, is the center depth enough? We saw Riley Sutter leave Saturday's game. We're not really sure how he's doing or if he's going to be able to play. That's, you know, with Scarbosa gone, You know, obviously we do have Hendricks LaPierre, but that's another kind of interesting blow. And like you said, a little bit of adversity this team is facing uh, at this current stretch here. But as you also said, they keep finding ways to win and they've scored, you know, at least three goals in their last few games here. So uh, all told, it could be much worse, I suppose.
1: Yeah, it could be a, a lot worse. I mean, they be, could be, and this better not happen. Just could have a drop a six game winning streak, a losing streak out of nowhere, which I'm not speaking into existence at all, happening. But you're right; it could be like a lot worse. But um, as we've gone through this, this season, um, you know, I've I kind of did with 717 Sports Media, my own um, mid-season, mid awards, all that. So why don't I just, like, ask you, like, who's been in your MVP and unsung unsung hero as we've gotten to, you know, we're past halfway point, but just, you know, so far this season? Oh, that's a tough call
0: for just one, one spot here for each of these. I... I felt the same way as I did with the AHL All-Star nominations where I felt like I was like, man, you could have sent a whole Hershey team and everybody would have deserved it and there would be a boatload of snubs. But as for an unsung hero, I I really have been appreciating Joe Snively um, and his game a lot more here recently. This guy's just kind of quietly just smashing his point records and I think it's kind of been a real catalyst for the Bears. Um, he smashed his assist totals you know, a long time ago. And it kind of went, you know, underappreciated by a lot of people, me especially. And, uh, you know, his point totals are insanely high. This guy seems to get an assist on every, you know, as much as Mike Scarbosa did. I mean, we've sung Scarbosa's praises for a long time here, point per game player. And, you know, I think Snively's kind of flown under the radar in terms of uh, being a point producer here. Certainly a guy that I think deserves another conversation up in Washington should they need a fit on the wing as well. And I'll I'll go with the obvious, not so obvious choice here. You know, I've really liked what Jimmy Huntington's brought to the Bears there. Perhaps as a unsung hero or MVP type of sort, you know, you hear a lot about how he's the new Mason Morelli. And that was the, you know, the top player that I think was going to be hardest to replace out of the ones they lost uh, over the summer. Just all the grit that he brought um all the you know the battles that he won you know the great story that he is and you see all those qualities about jimmy huntington and then some where he's you know he's a great guy i have a couple of people that reach out to me on twitter that they're like oh we miss him so much in milwaukee and you know he was a great you know he just embodies all those characteristics that mo really had that you know we all really love and it's a great timing mason morelli just earned his first nhl call up we were talking about on twitter yesterday um, so it's great to talk about another guy who's kind of following in his footsteps a bit in Jimmy Huntington. That's kind of, you know, and his numbers have been fantastic here as well. I mean, he's just been, uh, well, I would say, uh, a home run of a find by Brian Helmer and the capital staff that scouts out some of these AHL contracts.
1: There seems to have been a really good amount, like over the past year or two of just finding these guys, you say Mason Morelli as well, the Jimmy Huntington's and, you know, Lamos who's been. And you know, sneaky good this year. Not getting a lot of goals, but the goals when you need them uh, out of him. Um, on um, on the defensive end, um, it's been you know kind of business as usual with them. You know, still having Vinny out there, Big Daddy Dylan Mickelrath, you know, out there as well. Lucas is battling through injuries again. Um, there's like one knock I've had against the defense this year is that there's not a lot of scoring on the defense, not a Cody Franzen out there per se, but with the way the forwards are humming in, you kind of don't really need it. Yeah, it's a fair point. I mean,
0: I love the makeup of the defensive unit. It's, it's, you know, like uh, with the exception of Lucas Johansson, who I'll say, you know, really took one for the team with his injury. Thankfully it's not, you know, it's, it's the kind of injury where he'll heal from. And that's kind of the nice news about it. Right. Is it's, that was a tough one to, you know, to witness type of thing, but um, you know, he's been fantastic when he's been here, you know, you can't say enough about the guys like Aaron Ness, um, Vinny Iorio has really been great. And, you know, even guys like Logan day and Jake Massey, who absolutely deserve to be regulars, you know, step in seamlessly when needed, and, you know, kind of provide that element. And, you know, I do think it's interesting as you mentioned with scoring that the various top power play unit continues to be a five forward power play unit. And that's where a lot of that scoring comes from. And, you know, I think takes away maybe some of the production you'd otherwise see come from a guy like Logan day or, you know, someone equivalent there's just, like you said, not quite the traditional power play quarterback from a defenseman there. Um, kind of wish that was different but as long as i keep putting the puck back in the back of the net i suppose we you know can only talk about it and say hey you know that's it's not just just not an element that the bears really have on the back end and that's okay you know they they found ways to manage without it i think that's what's you know kind of been joe Snively's role a little bit more too where he's kind of been that guy where he picks up the secondary assists on the power play I saw that yesterday um you know, he's really taken on an expanded role, I think, with uh, guys like Scarbosa and Frank out. But, you know, where somebody might not be having it, you know, someone else is certainly picking up the slack there and allows those defensive guys to be just that, uh, the defensive rocks that we've, you know, come to know and love here this season.
1: I think one of the like the best pickup we can probably agree has been Trick Dubé. Just what a find with him. Um think he's at like 23 or 24 goals this season has just been absolutely killing it this year and also clay stevenson who's you know you set the rookie shutout record um it's just the goalie factory with hershey and washington just continues and just with finding this clay stevenson who didn't have his best game in springfield but you could say he was due for a clunker this whole team team was and that was a weird night there in springfield the isotopes night but um these two guys have just been like the real pillars of of the season and i know you can't say like oh we just solely depend on one goal scorer. we don't but it's just amazing to see these two guys have just come from out of nowhere and have really sparked the bears this season
0: Yeah, Dubé is a great case too. I mean, I'm sure if I'm the Montreal Canadiens, I'm kicking myself for not signing this guy. He was on an AHL contract with Laval last season and, you know, really impressed. I think he had like 16 goals and 16 assists, you know, very much the makings of a guy who, you know, could really be a difference maker on a good team. And Washington swoops in, locks him up on on an NHL contract, you know, really upgrading him, I think, past what Montreal was willing to give him. And, you know, the Bears just have a way of you know taking these guys you know even if whether wherever they come from you know they form up you know again i'd love to see Dubé get hot again and you know crush his records even further to get maybe closer to that 30 goal mark um and beyond even in a sense um uh, he's been fantastic and you can't say enough about clay stevenson too i mean he has all the tools to be a fantastic goaltender in the american hockey league Um, you know, the Springfield game was a little bit weird. You know, you wonder if there's ever going to be a cool down period with him. Hunter Shepard seems to have heated up, um, at the right time too. I mean, I saw that, you know, except for Yaroslav Askarov kind of having something to say about it, these guys were number one and two in the league. You know, Hershey's tandem has always been the best tandem, but the top two goaltenders being one and two like that, except for just now, um, have has been a real, you know, I think another notch in Hershey's belt here, so to speak. And, uh, it's fantastic. I mean, you can't say enough about how great these two guys have been, how great, you know, these pickups, it's rare that you, you know, hit a home run with some of these off season signings, but the bears have, you know, cleared the park with it, so to speak. Um, so I, I really love it. I love what these guys have brought, you know, it's been an extra element in you could only really hope that in this time of need and lineup-wise, that these guys just continue to heat up and step up, and you know, make you wonder why we ever miss some of the guys that we're missing right now.
1: It's it's like I keep telling Bears fans, don't get attached to these guys because they're they're going to keep moving on. But every summer when I post going somewhere else, I hear the same comments over and over again. My niece really liked him. My daughter really liked him. Don't worry. There'll be someone else coming that that you'll like. So we taking a look how the Bears have done. We're going to take a look how they're going forward. Right after this. All right, Bears fans. We know hockey games move fast, but with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the National Hockey League, you can score faster than anything that happens on the ice, even faster than Connor McDavid and Austin Matthews combined this week. New customers can bet $5 and get 200 instantly in bonus bets. Folks, we just got through some big outdoor games with the NHL, and we're hitting the dog days of the season where there's going to be a lot of action for you, for you to bet. Big Wednesday night games, Sunday afternoon games, Saturday afternoon games for you to bet in the National Hockey League, and you can get in on the action. It's as easy as the Toronto Maple Leafs beating the Anaheim Ducks. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code THPN. New customers can bet $5 on the NHL and get $200 instantly in bonus bets only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code THPN. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available. For problem gambling, call 888 888- 789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill, Casino and Resort. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after insurance. See dkng.com slash hockey for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms and responsible gambling resources. The NHL and the NHL Shield are registered trademarks of the National Hockey League copyright NHL 2024 all rights reserved and now on with the show and we're back here on the Grit and Barrett podcast Corey Schwartz of the Calder Times and Bears hockeynation.com joining me So as we've talked about where the Bears are heading into this time of year let's see where things are going forward as the Bears are getting through this Canadian road trip and have a pair of home games games this week We'll finish out. A very lean month of February where there is only like seven or eight games, not a lot of meat on the bone, um, but this time of year is when you really want to start collecting wins because if you want to go on that big stretch run in April, you got to win this time of year. Yeah, you'd like to see the
0: Bears rack up some more points here. I think um, if memory serves, if the Bears win Monday's game against Belleville, they'll at least have matched the record for fastest pace to 40 wins if memory serves. Um, no, I think it's all three of the, the games here on this uh, this road trip. Uh, fastest pace to 40 wins with the O nine ten 9 10 team, which would be another nice notch in the Bears' belt to get to, I think. Um But like you said, I think that racking up some wins here this time of year is always important to kind of, you know, keep keep it going here. We really saw the Bears struggle, I think, through a good part of February and uh, a little bit into March last season where, you know, there's some bumps in the road. We're kind of, you know, wondering what this team was made of. They, you know, managed to turn it around pretty well and obviously go on a great playoff run. Uh, If I'm the Bears this season, I I say, you know, there's no time like the present. Just kind of keep playing your game. And, you know, we've seen the Bears play pretty well here. They've scored three or more goals in each of their last four games. And hey, three of those are wins. So, you know, I I do think that in addition to the offensive side of it, we just don't want to see more games like that Springfield game we were talking about from uh, just over a week ago where the Bears were you know, just making some uncharacteristic mistakes defensively. And, you know, although the Bears offense was pretty good, they pressed that entire third period. Um, if you get behind, it's just so hard to come back against most teams in the American Hockey League, even as potent as the Bears are. You know, now, obviously, I would argue in that particular case, the Bears got a bounce or two more their way, a goal here, a goal there. They could easily come back and tied that game at five and, you know, made a made a push to overtime at least, you know, but it just—you it, can't guarantee it. You can't count on those types of things happening every single game. So, you know, if I can say there's any positives about the Toronto game, I think the Bears learned from that, even though that did kind of get away from them and got to overtime. The Bears are so good at figu- you know finding ways to win and finding ways to you know pull the rabbit out of their hat and close games like that that you know you can really only just tip your caps. So, like you said, I don't—I don't think you want to see them slow down at all at this point. Although we're kind of still in the doldrums. Um, of the season you know let's build into March March is kind of when the you know like you said the push for the playoffs really begins here and you know you start to really start to feel the kind of thaw out of the winter so to speak and into the the warm months of uh, you know April and May here so you know let's just get excited for it now let's just get building towards it and you know don't take your foot off the gas pedal by any stretch
1: definitely not like i feel like the the bears like i don't i don't see this team collapsing or falling off i see them more plateauing than than anything else um still getting points you know like we've gotten shootout losses it still gets you the proverbial loser point but um i'm not trying to speak this into existence but i don't see this team heading on like a massive losing losing streak We've been, we've seen this team been able to respond after losses, some more than others, but this team just, just keeps, just seems to keep bouncing back. I mean, I mean, coach Todd Nelson has just been really keeping this train humming and keeping these boys on, on the straight and narrow. So let's take a look around the, uh, around the division per se. I mean, the, the Bears are sitting, sitting pretty at the top with Providence somewhat near them and the other first round four are Wilkes-Barre, Hartford, Charlotte and Springfield with Lehigh Valley trying to trying to get in. Among those teams, which of them do you think could give the Bears trouble in a five game set? Um, Well, I've, I've always been wary of Providence.
0: The Bears obviously have a pretty good record against them this season, but all those games have been pretty darn close. I've also, you know, felt like Hartford when they're, you know, playing at their best. Here, you know, they seem to bring their best against the Bears. We saw it, you know, back in that snow day game uh, back in January. the The Wolfpack are a big team. They have a lot of big young prospects there in uh, in Hartford and the New York Rangers system by extension. You know, and they seem to be able to play with the, you know, kind of heavy handed style that. I I think can give a lot of teams fits and, you know, on that particular night, you know, one game or not, it gave the bears a lot of fits. I think in that particular outing where you're like, wow, this is what a, you know, a really strong Hartford team could possibly do in a playoff series. Now, of course, you know, it seems like the Hartford have been playing about, you know, 500 hockey here of late, you know, they're sitting fourth in the division, you know, not impossible for somebody to catch, but also not far from, you know, trying to claw into higher positioning here um, as the race, you know, as for once the Atlantic division's kind of spread out a little bit in terms of, you know, not everybody kind of battling for the same couple of spots here. But, um, you know, I I do think those are my two teams that I'm wary against. Wilkes-Bear is obviously having a really good season for themselves. You know, the Bears always kind of get into some absolute you know battles with them you know we're well acquainted with the the penguins and their their systems there so you know i i do think that any one of those couple of teams there you know could really be an issue for the bears in a shorter playoff series but you know the good news about all of it is that the bears have you know also proven themselves against all of those teams at different points this season that you know hey the bears are where they are for a, a good reason they've been cons- more consistent than all these other teams here so you know, I, I think there's much more to like about the Bears than what there is to be worried about. Frankly,
1: I think the the two teams that that, that give me pause in the division. Of course, I agree with you. Providence is is still Providence. Um, my main thing with Providence is that, well, as good Brandon Brandon Bussy is, um, I'd be more concerned with the team in front of them. Just doesn't really seem to have the oomph that they've had in the past previous years i mean they still do have george um Markalov, their um their all-star but if he falls off what does that team like really have they don't exactly have like the third or fourth line uh depth that they would in the past and i'll agree with you on hartford they're a team that's big they're not fast but they're big and they'll push and shove you around it seems kind of a repeat of what the team team did last year but the team i'm a little concerned about is Springfield. Uh, because I think they have a lot of good offensive weapons on on there. Of course, former Bear Jacob Barana in there. McGing still on uh, is still on there um, as as well. Um, they have scoring depth with the Bears as well. And Malcolm Subban is annoyingly good, not great, but annoyingly good and in a five game set i could see against springfield absolutely going the distance with them so out of all those teams i think it's it's springfield i'm a little concerned about the most i agree with you on
0: that one you know it's very fair of a point that the, for whatever reason the bears don't score tons of goals on malcolm suban when he's tended goal against the bears i mean you know for whatever reason it, it's been a, a a tall order seemingly now the bears have you know, match them in a couple of defensive efforts for the ages, I think I'd call them, you know, at different points, having high scoring players, you know, on both teams. Uh, obviously they have um, Adam Gaudet is, you know, their all-star for good reason. He has a lot of goals and, you know, he's been able to find the back of the net against the Bears in a couple of games there. And even without some guys, I mean, they've, you know, it's easy to forget they've lost Nathan Walker after how he started so hot for them. Uh, the former bear. And, you know, Jacob Vrana is another great example of just some of the wealth of riches they have in Springfield again. But it it does always intrigue me that, you know, they have these weapons and we've seen some pretty darn good games between the Bears and the Thunderbirds. But, you know, Springfield's kind of still on the cusp of, you know, not even making the playoffs here, which, you know, I think makes them a potential underdog in a three game series. You know, I'd be worried about playing them if I'm you know, a team like Wilkes-Barre or, you know, Hartford that's kind of in one of those upper upper echelon of that kind of region in the Atlantic Division, certainly. But it, it does intrigue me that despite those really good games we've seen, that they're still kind of, you know, in the bottom half of the division at the very least.
1: Yeah, for at the time of this recording, ladies and gentlemen, the... Thunderbirds sit in six at 51 they're tied with uh with Charlotte at the at the time of this recording um Wilkesbury's in third with 59 so that's only eight points separating third from six so a good winning streak and you're back up at third good losing streak and you could fall out and Lehigh has 47 and they're technically not out of it I said in in my article I think Lehigh has a real good chance of surpassing Springfield as much as I said against them I think they could get they could get on the run if Cal Peterson actually has a good couple of games. But um sorry, Corey, nothing against your Flyers. But um if he were to have a good couple of games, I think he could jump, I think they could jump them and be be annoying. I think there's something half decent there, half decent there in Lehigh if they could just do something about that head coaching. So let's also take a look uh out north as the Monsters are leading that division, not running away with it, but it seems between them and Syracuse are number one and number two at 60 and 59 points. I think that's what a lot of people thought that the Atlantic division would be. But after that, it's Rochester, Belleville, Toronto, and somehow Laval sort of found themselves uh, this year. So looking at the other side of the, of the Eastern, um, do you think Cleveland could come away with, way with this or is there someone else there in the north who could who could take the north, proverbially?
0: Um, I, I feel like you can't cannot count out Syracuse by any means here. I mean, they're they have somehow rocketed right back into contention for the top of the North Division there. And, you know, we saw I think we've only seen them once so far against the Bears. And it was that, you know, kind of I think that was the game that snuffed out the Bears nine game winning streak uh earlier this season in december if memory serves off the top of my head here Mm -hmm. um that you know they they are very stubborn and obstinate team to play against and you know it's no surprise to me that they're you know where they are positioning wise and you know as far as other surprises there i think rochester you know is on a bit of a run here you know were there, you know, kind of moving up the spots here a little bit, and then we kind of have this kind of car pile up. I hate to describe it any other way, but between the three Canadian teams that the Bears are in the midst of playing here—Belleville, uh, Toronto, and Laval—I, um, I, I would really say that if I'm Cleveland, Syracuse is my main competition at this point. But you know, it's it's wide open up. I think Cleveland's been unfortunately just average enough that you know they've left the door open for some other teams to you know possibly mostly just syracuse i think is the main one of concern but it's an interesting battle in the north division to say the least because it's a lot of teams that are you know again i believe only the top five teams make it in the north division if i remember correctly and you know it's pretty wide open there there's no bridge ports like to be found here
1: no it's it's something weird like that if 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 I'm Cleveland, I'm looking over your shoulder with with Columbus, who are definitely going to be sellers at at the trade deadline. I know there are a few guys who want to get up there. Trey Fixlansky, I think, definitely deserves to be up in Columbus with as good as he is. And uh, one of their their goalies here, I will will get this. I think think either Tarasov or well, Graves or Cajun was supposed to be like one of the next big guys to go up. And being Columbus, but not with the way they're playing, that's going to happen. And Terrasov Danil Terasov is one of their best goal, their best goalies right now. Um, I just I, I think Cleveland's gonna have a lot of recall issues with Columbus gonna be wanting to get a lot of that young talent up there. Like we've seen with Pittsburgh. I think that's what Columbus is going is gonna do. Now, this could mean that Cleveland could get reloaded once Columbus is is done and their season's done they could get a lot of, a lot of weapons back but who knows where cleveland is by by that point it's just that's just what i think about the monsters i mean syracuse they're always tough at home they always play the bears top out up there at the war the war memorial i mean we saw rochester and hershey last year but i don't think rochester has the firepower as they did last did last year and the marley's and bellville's just kind of hanging around the north so it seems like things are a little more wide open in the North than they looked about a month and a half ago. Yeah. Like
0: you said, I mean, there's a a lot of players. I I agree with you on the Cleveland front. I I do believe that with the blue jackets kind of being down and seemingly out and, you know, the door is seems pretty wide open for somebody to try to make a, make a name for themselves. I wouldn't be surprised if Jet Greaves gets a extended look up in Columbus. If you know, opportunity were made available to him, obviously, being one of the all-star representatives out of Cleveland um, earlier this month at the all-star festivities helps bolster his resume just that much more. And we've seen a, a pretty good selection of guys at the AHL all-star game going to the NHL. I mean, I believe Brand Clark was just one name that I saw for the LA Kings, who you know scored a, a pretty, pretty nifty breakaway goal for his first NHL goal uh, just the other day after wowing at the AHL all-star game. So I do think you kind of, you know, it's the blessing and the curse of of uh, riches at the AHL level and good performances is you could be looking at, you know, the, the Bears could be looking at a similar situation where, you know, perhaps Washington sells a couple of pieces at the deadline and, you know, gets assets and says, all right, Pierre Dubé, you're up, you know, Alex Limoges, you're up. And suddenly the Bears are in a world of hurt without some of those guys. And, you know, to their credit, yes, they deserve those opportunities just as, you know, Scarbosa does, you know, with McMichael and Malenstein and Protus being, you know, guys before them type of thing. And, you know, truly I I hope that the Capitals don't make those kinds of moves. I feel like that's kind of a harder harder sell to make in this day and age than it was maybe five or ten years ago, even at this point, just with the way the salary cap is and all that. But you know, it's a it's a very real concern. I mean you you're talking about Lehigh Valley earlier. I mean they're you know, now without Cal Peterson, perhaps indefinitely with, um, you know, the Flyers in the midst of that whole Carter Hart situation. So it's truly the time of year where everybody's kind of running on some players with some players that they, they wish they had that are in the NHL at the time being. So it's a hard situation.
1: Definitely. And you saying that makes too much sense now that i think about that could absolutely happen with the bears in in the next month that washington they're out of it and they'll be like all right ethan frank uh come on up uh dubay come on up we got like nine games left in the season let's see what we got you up hunter up clay you've done a good job come on up and see what you can do my gosh it makes too much sense i hate it when (laughs) he makes sense so it's a um, a scary thing all right i mean
0: the one thing I will add, add to that, Richard, is that like, you know, it, it's it's a terrifying juxtaposition to where the Bears were. I, I remember, you know, I think you and I were at a practice together one time in November when the Bears still had like, you know, Alexander says was still here and couldn't get playing time. Julian Naprovnik was here and couldn't get playing time. You know, some of these guys leave and now we're like, you know, sir, you know, we're talking about probably having to maybe if that happens, you know, you're suddenly looking at your like Kevin O'Neill, come on up you know, says the live, can we have him back, which is not going to happen. But, you know, you're kind of just looking at it. You're like, you know, it's a terrifying juxtaposition to one earlier point in the season.
1: Well, that's why we won, checks notes, 38 games so far this season from that might happen. And you're quite right about that with with uh, with, with Zunziev already out there. But um I hear there's a lovely Ryan Leonard out there in the CHL that could be ours for the asking come March or April. Well, Corey, that was a good healthy talk, man. So um as usual what I do with you the last couple minutes is yours, man, to put out whatever you're working on or your website. So the board is thine. I
0: appreciate it, man. You could just follow over at HBH Nation blog on Twitter and Facebook we also have an Instagram page now where I I post a lot of the brilliant photos Carl Minieri takes for me uh, for games so you can find it on either of those pages uh, that's those are the ways to follow uh, the articles that go out there so uh, I appreciate it like you said really good talk here it's it's uh, nice to be kind of looking at soon enough warmer weather and you know maybe talking with some more playoff hockey here pretty soon
1: well, let's just hope you and me can do more than one or two round previews as we get to that time, that time of year. But we'll deal with that as the time comes. And thank you, Bears fans, for your time, listens, and downloads. As always, we'll be back to our recapping form that format next week, maybe a bonus episode later in this week. Who knows? We'll see how things go. But until then, go Bears. We'll catch you next time.